So anyway, Tom, sorry about that. I interrupted you and I got sidetracked again. So what were you saying about number six? So, yeah, number six is Miller's Crossing. Okay. So, like, in the sort of 60s and 70s, the, the film uh, film industry in America, they were sort of going back to uh, gangster films a little bit, but they were kind of updated, like, neo-noirs. So they were kind of throwbacks to the old gangster films, but very much in the kind of modern style mm-hmm. uh, of that time. So Miller's Crossing, it's kind of like a, it's got all the sort of Cohen traits, like there's quirky characters, um, a bit of comedy in it as well. But there's very much the style and everything and the dialogue is really kind of throwing back to 30s and 40s gangster films. Oh, okay. I do know uh, that. Yeah. So this is a really, this was a really good, like really underrated gangster film as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a un- bit of a cult film. Okay. Because it didn't, you know, didn't do brilliantly well originally uh so it's got gabriel Byrne in. oh okay that's really interesting yeah, so he's the lead he's the lead in this uh then there's a lot of other character actors in it as well albert finney mm-hmm. is playing like this uh like marlon brando-esque godfather kind of character mm-hmm. and then you've got uh a lot of other really great character actors as well like steve buscemi pops up mm-hmm. uh john Turturro again he's another one that pops up in quite a lot yeah. of their films isn't he yeah, so it's just a, yeah, it's a really, really great gangster film. Yeah, the music in it's really great as well. And, um, is uh, it quite a serious film that one? It sounds like it might be one of their more sort of serious type ones. It's kind, it kind of is, but it's you know it's not too serious because there are elements know, comedy of comedy that come well. in. Yeah, a bit like Fargo, yeah, and everyone kind of yeah, everyone still talks a bit like an old sort of thirty style gangster. They all sound like Jimmy Cagney. Oh really? <laughs> 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 it's really old-fashioned dialogue, uh, so there are quirky moments, comic- comical scenes, but there's this kind of twisting plot where Gabriel Byrne plays this, uh, he's like the go-to guy for this main gangster, Okay. and they have a bit of a falling out, and he joins like the rival of this uh-huh. gangster. Is it filmed so in black and white? No, it's in colour. Oh, okay. So it, Yeah, it looks really great. It's got very, you know, a lot of contrast, lots of shadow. Mm. It does feel very classically like an old gangster film. Really? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he's sort of, uh, it's a very twisty plot where you're not too sure, you know, where his loyalty lies. Yeah. So it's quite interesting. And he's like, you know, he's a really underrated actor anyway. So yeah. Because we were talking about the, him in the, the Usual Suspects with uh, when I spoke to Mark. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah as, as you both said, he was, you know, he's really sort of underrated and underappreciated. Yeah, he didn't like Hollywood doing, much. Yeah. I think he didn't like the pressure that they put on him compared to yeah, um, compared to England. Because actually the studios put a lot of pressure on the them as well, don't they? they they're required to do things a different way and they're very, yeah... There's a, there's been a lot of English actors actually that said they didn't like the crossover into going to Hollywood, yeah. and actually there's quite a I lot of famous they, American yeah. actors that don't like Hollywood. That's why a lot of them tend to stay on the the New York side. Um, but every now I and then so, they have yeah. to go over, and don't they? Few even sort of drift off into Europe as well, and yeah. uh, or drift into TV. Yeah. Well, now TV's become very popular for them. Whereas I remember. Yeah. Um, 
I remember Michael Douglas did an interview and he said, because he, he's doing something on Netflix, isn't he, with Danny DeVito, I think? I think they both are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Michael Douglas has done a couple of things on TV. Yeah, but I remember him saying that, you know, there was a period of time, especially I think it was like in the 80s or in the 90s, where you only did TV if you were failing. Well, your career wasn't doing that well. Yeah. And it, it yeah. basically meant your movie career was going downhill. And that was basically... Because, I mean, you know, they've got to keep working, don't they? So it's like any other yeah. job. So so that the TV is kind of like the last... was At the time was the last resort. And that basically wasn't a good thing for them because that meant their movie career was going downhill drastically fast. Um, but then, but then, um, I think it's clever how people started crossing over into TV land, and that all probably started round about when Kiefer Sutherland started doing my favorite TV series, Twenty Four, yeah. um, and yeah. that didn't he? And then that sort of started picking up, and a lot of famous actors from, well, a lot of movie actors started crossing over into into doing them shows on the streaming channels like Netflix and Amazon and Apple. And yeah, I think, stuff. you know, it, the roles were more interesting. The writing yeah. was better as well. And, I, you know, now it's become a case where, you know, movies are so preoccupied with uh, Marvel and things like that, that a lot of the really great stuff in terms of characters and interesting roles is being put into TV yeah, and onto streaming. And also, so, um, yeah. all the more kind of like I spoke very briefly. I remember you saying you listened to it with Mark saying that at, in the nineties it was a, a a big period for you know the sort of basically the DIY filmmaker was breaking out. So the yeah. indie thing came out, and now it's all this franchise and stuff. It's gotten quite well for me, particularly new. It's gotten very monotonous. So there's no more. Um, uh, access to cinema to seeing a variation of independent films, um, new up and coming filmmakers because people don't take that chance. So that's why I think a lot of the film actors now that they can and they're getting paid a lot of money are crossing over into TV film, uh, sorry, TV and streaming shows like Netflix, etc. Yeah, because there's more range of um, independent type stuff. But they all say that, that it was very rare. They would have never gone into TV at one point. It's only been no, since. I think it was very soapy back in sort of the 90s and things like that. So yeah. Quite that there was something really kind of uh, well written. Yeah. You know, occasionally you'd have TV movies, which would be, you know. Crap. Sort of, they could range. That They could be, sometimes they could be crap. There could be some yeah, good yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but they were kind of like one-off. Yeah. So it's in the series form because, you know, the way you film them is very, very quick. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it just tended to be a lot of soaps and things like that. Or yeah, Which you didn't like, need to be a particularly good actor at, did you, really? <laughs> I mean, let's not, face not it. always, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's so, not like so. the most... I mean, they have the most diabolical plots, don't they, like... They're yeah. married to their brother, and, he, and they find out, and then <laughs> he's lost his brain or something, and then he develops because a new. It's like a glamorous alternative to EastEnders, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's just American style. Sort of thing, but very glamorous, you know. Stupid, <laughs> tacky. Rather than East End London and a bit grim. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else did you want to say about uh, your number six, Will? 
Uh, no, I just really recommend it because it's not a film that a lot of people have seen. Yeah, uh, I haven't like seen it. Of, yeah, if you like, uh, if you have to be ga- a fan of like gangster films as well, mm. it's one of these ones that hasn't really been discovered quite enough, I don't think. Is it a very male ensemble film? Are there any women in it? There are some, you know, yeah, yeah there are some women in it, some, you know, quite good uh, roles. Yeah, are they it small is, parts? It is still very male. Male orientated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've got, I think, uh, one of the actresses in it, she was one of these kind of, uh, she was around in the early, in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, but then disappeared. So she's in this one. Okay. Uh, is it Marcia Gay Harden? I think she might be a, uh, but she's quite underage. She's really good in this. It's like a classic uh, gangster's mole. Okay. So, yeah, she's good in this. Um, yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I would just recommend seeing Miller's Crossing. Okay, I should have to give that go. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, so, so oh, I'll do my number five. Okay. So number five is Barton uh, Fink. Okay, that's another one I haven't seen. Yeah. So was that one of their uh, serious ones? It's... Or was that a bit of a, a strange of, one? It's a comedy. Okay. So, but it's a kind of weird... It's a weird, quirky, sort of quite dark film. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit odd. So it's one of these films which it took me like a couple of viewings to really get into. But yeah. the more I see it, the, the more I enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's got this these kind of dark twists in it. And it's a little bit surreal. Yeah. So there's almost like a supernatural element that kind of filters in. Okay. So basically you've got John Turturro, who's this okay. you know, really successful playwright. And uh, this is set in uh, the golden era of, of Hollywood. Okay. So where the screenwriter is king, basically. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a shame, really, that I'm not in the 30s because I'd be <laughs> making a killing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's this playwright and he gets hired by this studio to write a wrestling picture. Okay. They call it a wrestling picture. Wrestling? Uh, yeah, because this is like... Uh, this is when B movies were really popular. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you'd always have like a double event. So you'd have the serious film first, the A movie, uh-huh. like Gone with the Wind, and then they'd play like a B movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So that's where the whole B movie thing came from. It was used to be from sort of double bills, and the B movie would be the kind of escapist sort of thing, like the Blob or yeah, you know something silly like Sinbad of the Seven Seas. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw the blob. I've got to watch it. Yeah. So he's this uh, serious playwright who's hired to write a wrestling picture. He gets put up in this shoddy hotel where uh, Steve Buscemi is the bellboy. Okay. <laughs> and uh, his um, his neighbour on his his on his floor because it's I think there's not many people in the hotel mm-hmm. or maybe there's just two but his his uh, neighbour is uh, John Goodman okay travelling salesman who may or may not be a serial killer oh really so he pops um, up again <laughs> yeah so it's all these sort of quirky things there's lots of farcical stuff uh, he meets like a few he meets like a drunken old uh, screenwriter as well who, who was once his hero mm-hmm. who's turned into this into this like really kind of abusive oh, really? and depressive drunk, and then he starts the relationship with this this guy's uh, wife. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's really good. 
and then when it's then when things start getting surreal the visuals look really sort of amazing as well so this was the first time they worked with roger deakins who's like you know the cinematographer at the mm -hmm. moment you know everyone wants roger deakins at the moment to shoot their films really <laughs> and this was yeah this was their first collaboration with him okay yeah so it's one of those where there's lots of these little nuggets you pick up on yeah and it, you, you know you could read into the film in different ways and is it one of those films where you might need to watch it more than once to find yeah, something new, yeah. pick up on something I think new. the first time you might be a little bit lost on it. You might think, well, you know, it's well made, but I'm not quite sure what getting it, what you're going for. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the performances are, you know, that good that you kind of, you feel like you want to go back into it and have another go. Yeah. And then you start picking up more of these little details and you mm. realise it's kind of like a strange strange like mystery film yeah underneath all this sort of comedy yeah and then john goodman in it is uh you know it's one of his best performances as well oh really it's a serial he's, killer salesman yeah. so he's like he comes on really kind of amiable uh and yeah you know you're not too sure how to take him and the writer is very kind of standoffish with everyone mm-hmm He's playing your he's playing your classic introverted writer who just wants to be kind of left alone. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I know how he feels. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably why I like this film as well because it's you know it's centered on a writer, and I tend to like films centered on writers. Yeah, them, you know, quite interesting. Yeah, different approach. Yeah. So yeah, no, this is really really interesting film. Okay, I've got to give that. It's very unique as well, like, a bit like uh, Raising Arizona, where you think, you know, I don't, you don't really see many more films like that. No, this is another one of their films which is really kind of unique. Yeah, and a bit bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> bonkers in a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about it, or do you want to go on to number four? Is it number no, four? I'll go. Yeah, number four. Okay. So, number four. Uh -huh. I'm going to say this might be quite controversial. Is it going to be my favourite one? Go on. It could be Fargo. Oh, really? Yeah. I would have thought that would be number one for you. It sort of it has rotated over the years, but then okay. I've sort of changed my mind every now and again. So Fargo, why would you put Fargo number four? Yeah, that is quite controversial, I think. Because, well, <laughs> you, have to, you have to see the top three. Okay, all right. This is like, this is a ranking for a lot of 10 out of 10 films for me. So okay. Cool. <laughs> All right, so tell us why yeah. Fargo is number four for you. Fargo is just this classic tale of, you know, uh, Jerry Lundegaard, mm -hmm. played by William, William H. H. Macy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's really great. He's like another one of those underrated character actors. I hated him in that film. Yeah. I mean, you're meant he's to. Such a sort of desperate character, yeah. isn't he? He's really desperate, and you know, he's trying to find this easy way out, and he thinks he's sort of nailed it. And you know, this simple plan just goes progressively wrong. It goes, it gets worse and worse. Well, it just turns into a car crash, doesn't it? It gets, yeah, like you know, it's meant Which to start think, off very yeah. simple, and like he's just meant to have his wife kidnapped and get a ransom money from his stepdad. I mean, uh, yeah. not from his stepdad, from Sounds his. simple enough. Yeah, from his uh, father-in-law, who's really yeah. rich. But then in the end, all this kind of stuff sort of starts happening along the way with these two hitmen. 
who one of them's absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the blonde crazy man yeah. with Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I was going to talk about that with you at the end, the, the horrible end scene, but carry on. We'll talk about that bit in a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean, but we'll, t- yeah. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So what are you so, going to I mean, say about Fargo? It's, it's classic Coens, and I don't think anyone, any filmmakers do do this kind of film better than they do, mm. which is, you know, where you've got this kind of normal guy who, start, who suddenly thinks, you know what, I'm going to do something criminal. Yeah. Uh, well, because he's he's maybe, in debt, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, in debt. He's in a desperate situation because you know other little plans he's had before have not paid off. Mm-hmm. So now he's getting a bit desperate and he's thinking, you know, I'll do something. Oh, this will work. Uh, and it's and harmless. Exactly. <laughs> no. So then, yeah, then you've got the the pregnant, uh, heavily pregnant police chief played by Francis McDormand, mm-hmm. who's amazing in it. He was wearing a prosthetic bump at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So and a wig. Comes in. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, yeah. She said and that when, one, yeah. when she, I um, I can't remember seeing a thing, but she said that the only time she could, well, she could only get into character if she had that wig on her head. Because she's, <laughs> she's got that, um, the, is it the Minnesota accent? Well, it's, it's, are we yeah. going to do that, our, our accent, Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's like, yeah. (laughs) Mm, You betcha, yeah. (laughs) Again, I think they're really good at this in terms of, you know, even when they set it somewhere like Fargo, say, that kind of area. Aren't they they from there originally? I think they're from there, aren't they? In that area, they're from Minnesota. That kind of area, they might be, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, they really do set the scene well mm. in these kind of films. It's it's, it's quite a cold film LA as well, York, isn't it? Is it? So, yeah. yeah, it's a cold because we, my family, we 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 um did um um during one of the lockdowns, I suggested we do like a film club. So instead of book club, we did it on Zoom, and every week one of us would choose a film, and then at the end of the week we'd all have to talk about it and like you know yeah. just basically share our views on it and then give it a score. And um, some of us liked it, and the other ones felt like my one of my sisters found it too cold. Um, I don't think my mum liked it particularly very much. Um, yeah, I guess it's that genre as well. It's an acquired taste. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because yeah, and and this is and what they I was talking. Very distinct style. Yeah, there, so. and I was talking to Mark about it, and it was like, well, you don't know if it's it's kind of like a thriller. But then yeah. there's these really crazy bits of comedy that sneak in, like the execution. You know, when when um, I can't remember the the two hitmen on a road, and then suddenly uh, these two innocent people in a car drive by, and then they have to shoot them because they've seen something. Yeah. Um, and it's just, so it's just yeah, it's, everything's just you know falling apart. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. People are turning up dead. And. Um, you know what I found funny about that film was how see actually you know I mean I know he's a hitman but he, I don't think he's meant to be a hitman is he he's just he's just kind of he's just meant to do this silly thing and that was it yeah, but Steve Buscemi yeah, gets to be, you know just as someone to hire hired to do this simple job yeah and he he's not been let in on exactly what he's getting either no so, Jerry hasn't told him that he's going to be picking up, you know, a million 
dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's expecting to make you know, you know, twenty thousand or whatever it is from doing the job. Yeah, but then he gets put up with this absolute lunatic of a man, doesn't he? Yeah. The blonde thing. He goes, I want, uh, I want pancakes. <laughs> I, want, yeah. I want to go to the pancake house. And he doesn't talk pancake to him house. at all. Yeah. He's, I'm hungry now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you haven't said anything to me. So, but then he's kind of like, I found Steve Buscemi to be actually quite a level-headed good guy, bad guy. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He sort of gets the worst of it. Any, anything that goes bad he gets the worst doesn't he yeah and then towards the end no, that's when he really it. starts losing his patience yeah. and but that's because yeah because that's when it all goes tits up um yeah but it's the other one who's absolutely insane like you who the hell is this guy <laughs> um but yeah is there anything else you want to say about fargo before we get to the end scene that i was going to talk about with you uh no should we go to the end yeah so what's that so so you know the end when uh she's um she i can't remember she gets onto what does she see she's wandering around so oh it's the car isn't it for a certain car isn't she yeah yeah, yeah. she's she looking for a car and um, yeah. of the two guys because she's yeah she's managed to figure it all out and the two guys and they've had uh well basically the the crazy blonde head one has killed steve buscemi he's just been shot in the face by yeah. the father-in-law um and he's like what the hell what what the hell happened? You weren't meant to turn up or whatever. It was just meant to be a drop off, wasn't it? I think that was all it was. Yeah. Um. So I didn't expect the, the father in law. That's to it to drop it, so. it off. Um. I can't remember exactly, but but then um. So he gets shot in the face. He comes back and he starts shouting at the crazy blonde haired guy. Yeah. And the but crazy blonde all this money that uh, they weren't expecting. Oh, and it's it explodes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff they put uh, in it. Well. That explodes, I think, onto him. I can't remember. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it all goes tits white. And and so basically, the blonde head guy chases him out with an axe and basically kills him. And then there's that horrible scene where she stops because she sees the car, so she starts wandering around. And and like when I saw, because I I'd, I'd never seen this film, and I saw it when I was probably, I think I was twenty eight, twenty nine, and um. I was in Beijing for a few days with my family because we were visiting. And um, they went out and I was too tired, so I thought, I'll watch Fargo. And um, and when I saw that scene, Tom, uh, I I nearly wanted to puke. <laughs> when I saw, so is it a wood chipper or something? He's basically, yeah, it's a wood chipper, isn't it? Yeah, so this blonde head guy is basically holding him by the legs and stuffing him down this wood chipper and all this blood is spurting out. And it was just... It was awful, and there was one time when um, uh, I was walking somewhere, and there was a tree. I'm not joking. There was a tree surgeon putting bits of wood into a wood chipper, and I said to him, "I said, oh god, this reminds me exactly of like that super fuck." <laughs> it was just so, oh, it was awful. I couldn't get out of my head. But yeah, what did you think when you saw that? Did you find it funny or disturbing? I, it was. Uh... <laughs> Probably found it a little bit funny. It is funny, but in a really disturbing way. Yeah, but they have a very dark sense of humour. Yeah. I mean, why would you do that? Do you know what I mean? So it's it is it is funny, but it's disturbingly funny. There's like you know we said there's that line between. It's kind of like horror 
and comedy, you know, when it's so over yeah. the top that it becomes kind of uncomfortable but funny, and then you get like slapstick comedy that can actually be very violent yeah. and linger on to being painful, if that makes sense for the viewer to watch. Yeah, that almost becomes a little bit, you know, comical again, like almost Looney Tunes. Like. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also, do you know what I, I thought about that film was, um, I didn't think the father-in-law had much compassion for Jerry in in general no. sense. There was a, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like his so, daughter wasn't yeah. right for him or whatever. You could tell there wasn't a there wasn't a good relationship between her husband and her father. If that makes sense. Because right. I mean, obviously, you know, he's like very wealthy. Maybe he's like he's a different class, and maybe you know, his uh, he thinks his daughter's married beneath beneath her. Yeah, and there's one point where he says, you know, oh, Scotty and uh, and what's her face, his daughter, never have to worry; they'll always be fine. But yeah. then he's kind of like, and and Jerry's trying really hard to get money of him. Like, oh, this is still going on. He goes, oh, but, you know, it's not going to work out. I'm not interested, basically. So yeah. so he's basically, and you know, there's that <laughs> there's that other scene that's, it's, again, horrible, but funny, is when she runs off with a bag on her head. Cause she escapes from the car or something when they open the boot, the two hitmen. Yeah. And she, she runs off, but she can't see where she's going because she's got a plastic bag over her head. <laughs> And she bangs into a tree, and you're like, yeah. it's like a headless chicken running all over the place, and they're like, "Whoops!" kind of thing. <laughs> and you was it when you watch it, it is really funny, but you know you shouldn't be laughing because this poor woman's been kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're, they're just really good at sort of uh, you know making you laugh at these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. They play it out. Yeah, so. Is there anything else you want to say about Fargo? Uh, no, that's okay. So I think, shall we do number three? Yeah.